0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Shemaine's Model Health Podcast. If you are looking for us on iTunes, you will find it under Find Your Model Health. So that's where we are. Um, this is the podcast for those looking to optimize their long term health and weight goals. I am Shemaine Lini. I'm a biohacker and fitness and nutrition expert, and I'm very grateful to have you not only follow me, but join me for another week of learning. Excuse me while I sip on my mushroom coffee. Um, And this week we're gonna dive into something a little closer to my heart. Not that everything isn't, but this week, we're going to be looking at fungal and yeast overgrowths. Um, So, what do I mean by fungal? So candida, for example, is a fungus, which is a form of yeast, a very small amount of which naturally lives in your mouth and intestines. Its job is to help with digestion and nutrient absorption, but when it is overproduced, now we naturally have levels of bacteria and fungus and yeast In our body and they're supposed to be there. They help keep us strong but when they're overproduced they can break down the wall of the intestines and penetrate the bloodstream which then um, causes toxins to be released into your body or into your blood and contributes to leaky gut and A whole host of different health problems um, ranging from digestive issues to depression. So and we know now that when we have leaky gut we also have a higher instance of autoimmune issues. So some of the symptoms that coincide with a fungal or yeast overgrowth are skin or nail infections like athlete foot ringworm or toenail fungus or you might see red rash on your face around your mouth your eyes um you could also feel tired um run down some sort of chronic fatigue and even um symptoms of fibromyalgia which i did a podcast on three weeks ago i believe You also will see digestive issues like bloating, constipation, diarrhea, autoimmune issues like I mentioned like Hashimoto's, rheumatoid arthritis, colitis, lupus, psoriasis um, and even multiple sclerosis. You will notice you'll have difficulty concentrating. Lack of focus, you won't be as sharp, your memory will be poor, you'll have some brain fog. Again, you'll have skin issues like psoriasis, eczema, hives, and a red rash around your skin. You might find you're irritable, you have mood swings, anxiety, depression is associated with fungal overgrowth growths. Um, Of course you will see thrush, so vaginal infections, urinary tract infections um, and some other not pleasant itching in your private parts. You will notice also some seasonal allergies or itchy ears that may even bleed, um, especially if you scratch them too much, and you'll you'll notice strong sugar or carb cravings as well. So those are the main symptoms for fungal overgrowth. It would be unusual for you to have just one symptom, you would have a couple of them, Um, they would coincide together, so maybe you would have the rash, maybe you'll have some swelling, maybe some, um, even dandruff can be a sign of a fungal or yeast overgrowth. Um, So, you will not know, unless you're pretty close to me, that I have been fighting my own fungal fight for about, I'm going to say about 12 weeks now. It's been a long fight because in the beginning I thought it was my thyroid acting up again. But then, so I had a rash around the outside of my mouth and I thought, okay, thyroid because certain rashes are associated with hypothyroidism and I know I have issues with my thyroid. But then the rash spread to underneath my eyes, and I was like, hold on, this is not thyroid. So I start researching a lot more, and I find out that I have perioral dermatitis, which is a fungal overgrowth, which I think I got off my cat, so whatever I've managed to deal with it now, and it's taken that long. Sometimes, with a fungal or a yeast overgrowth, we have to keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it, and eventually, it'll go away. For some people, they can see that there will be a subsidence of their fungal overgrowth in maybe a week or two, but other people, they need to do a few rounds of a treatment before they'll see it go. And of course, I don't go down the antibiotics route, it's just not my thing to do so I looked at what could I do myself that is going to at the same time boost my immunity and prevent this from coming up again. So making diet changes really helped, um, especially pulling out the sugar as much as I could, pulling out foods that are high in mycotoxins which are basically fungal toxins Um, So these two things made a huge, huge difference. And then also treating the actual fungus myself with specific herbs, um, some super supplements I used. I also got rid of some stuff which really made a difference which I'll talk about as we go down through this podcast Um, and the whole lot just totally, it made a difference and I'm very happy to say the rash is almost gone now and I'm nearly feeling 100% which I kind of had forgot what that felt like over the last few weeks. Okay, so... What I would kind of would look at would be an antifungal or an anti-candida diet. Now they can be really helpful um, and then there are specific foods that need to be addressed. You need to um, eradicate or pull out some foods that you may not like to but they'll really maximize your results. So for me, um, sugar pulling that out as much as possible. Now, I didn't do a total elimination, but I did pull it out, so it gave the herbs and super supplements I was using that advantage, that they would have a better chance of winning the fight. I also pulled back on peanut butter a lot and that really helped and we know that peanuts contain mycotoxins as does coffee but I make sure to drink only the highest grade of coffees like I spend an arm and a leg on my coffees. So there's a lot of aflatoxin in peanuts too which is a specific type of fungal toxin and fungus is kind of like this big branch. It's like under the fungal branch there are many different types of fungus and then there's candida and there's different types of candida and there's yeast and there's other bacteria Um, but in general when we have this yeast or fungal overgrowth then we have various toxins produced by these so aflatoxin would be one that we see in peanuts also another thing here on aflatoxins it can be found in foods at specific temperatures too. typically between 13 and 40 degrees celsius um usually around 30 to be exact and one of the big things that we see was on nuts um almonds pistachios brazil nuts maize, not technically not more in the grain family, rice, cottonseed, and even some spices, we see a lot of aflatoxin growth on these foods. Um, and especially spices can be a big one because people like to keep their spices above their cooker or their stove where there's obviously a lot of heat coming off it and rising and that can really drive some of that mold growth so make sure as well and this was um something that a a client of mine was doing she would store her nuts and seeds above the stove too Um, and then of course there was an increase in oxidation and mold growth on them so like if you're doing If you're going to be consuming a lot of these fats or nuts and seeds and spices, you're best off keeping them in a colder, darker space um, to just preserve their shelf life. And then if you're doing almonds, um, I like to either soak them or roast them a little. Uh, I don't eat almonds a ton, but when I do, I'll do something like that to just kill off any mold that might be there. Um but in general I'm more aware now and I try to cut out a lot of the foods that are higher in mycotoxins and aflatoxins. Um if I am having some of these foods like the coffee or chocolate or wine I'm I'm trying to monitor what I'm buying and I'll I'll spend that extra few dollars to make sure I'm getting a really good product that's as clean as can be. Um, and a good paleo diet can be really helpful on that too, because it specifically eliminates a lot of food that would have mycotoxins, um, in them. So, yeah, like I said, a paleo style of eating, cutting out the higher mycotoxins, food, nuts, Flax, I'm not a big fan of flax, Um, maybe mushrooms, so that doesn't include mushroom um, coffee where the nutrients have been pulled out of the actual mushroom, Um, even dairy. you might be able to handle some butter, but some people will have issues with dairy and the toxins they contain. And then bring in maybe your sugar down to one, maybe two servings a day. Also, uh, balsamic vinegar can be high in toxins, um, and this is a strange one because people will go out and they think they're doing something good for their health and they might order a salad and it will be olive oil and balsamic vinegar depending obviously on where this is sourced from it can be high in toxins so that's something to be helpful for then when we look at the sugars again we know that sugar feeds bacteria and yeast and fungus and a lot of people then will go the opposite route and go to low sugar and that actually creates these fungi to go into more of a cyst or spore like state where they kind of like hibernate. They're still alive but they're hiding and they'll come out later on when you're least expecting it. So a little bit of sugar in there like I said I didn't totally pull out all the sugar um, and that little bit of sugar and natural sugar especially can be helpful to kind of keep those fungi baited to the surface where you can then see them and focus on killing them off. So the main question would be first, is there an overgrowth? Um, And if there is, if you get this confirmed, we're going to knock it down I'll get rid of it in a couple of ways. Um, So we'll starve it out and we'll not eat those foods that are high in sugar or have the mycotoxins, um, especially avoiding excessive sugar foods that are going to drive overgrowth too. Uh, So let's move on to some of the causes that could be bringing on your infection. So you could have picked up an infection from being in a moldy house or eating moldy foods. Antibiotics could have caused an overgrowth of bad bacteria or fungus and then st- Steroids, Something people don't think of, but steroids can be a big player in whether or not you get a fungal overgrowth. And I was talking about this to a client earlier as I was researching this and um, we may have established the root cause of her overgrowth because she was given a lot of steroids when she was a young kid. So with steroids, steroids increase blood sugar because when you take a synthetic steroid like prednisone which is typically 10 times the strength of cortisone or corticosteroid cream Um, and they replace your natural cortisol which we know is important that's our natural stress hormone. Um, so steroids like prednisone, these are like synthetic cortisol at a much higher level and one of the big risk factors that we see with prednisone or steroids over time is diabetes because they drive the sugar up so high. We also see adrenal failure because it stops the internal natural production of hormones. Um, steroids will all weaken your immune and break down your bone and body tissue which is where we might see osteoarthritis associated with people that take steroids because steroids are very catabolic but the main thing in this case is that steroids increase blood sugar and they suppress the immune so you're feeding that fungus but you're also shutting down basically your immune so that they can run rampant Okay, so then if we had, for example, you get what I had. You have this tinea vers- versicular or fungal rash, um, then you want to deal with it. And we can deal with it in a few ways. Number one, we don't feed it. Number two we treat it internally but number three we also have to treat it topically and that may be using some topical oil of oregano or melaleuca or tea tree oil. We also have to stop feeding it so that's the sugars. Um, We stop adding in external toxins too that support this fungus growth. So those are your mycotoxins and even um, some toxins that you clean your house with. And then we might add a probiotic to help compete with this space that the fungus is in. So also to help fight off this rash... I would and I do use activated charcoal by one of my friends here, she owns Green Butterfly and she makes natural skin care and health care products. Um, so I use her activated charcoal soap, you could also use an antimicrobial soap. You could even make your own mixture to bathe your skin with, that would be maybe some coconut oil mixed with apple cider vinegar or oil of oregano and we'll dab that around the affected area to just make sure we're killing off this bug or these critters um, some other things I would recommend and I do use myself um, apple cider vinegar vitamin C um, I might use a probiotic like acid And these three keep a nice acid profile in your body too, which is important. You don't want to be too alkaline, and I've been mentioning this a lot lately. So your apple cider vinegar, your ascorbic acid, which is your vitamin C, and your acidophilus, um, those are all acidic, and they're going to keep a nice pH in your body. Then an enzyme like bromelain is one of my favorites. I use a garlic supplement as well. We know garlic has amazing antifungal properties properties um I definitely recommend some colloidal silver now this is one of my super supplements and this is like where we take out the big guns is with the colloidal silver if colloidal silver doesn't kill it then I don't know what will no I really do know what will but you know what I mean um ginger and cloves are great Berberines, I'm huge for the berberines, so they can help fight off infections, but they also help manage those blood sugars. And then, of course, we cut out the sugars, focus on good meats and good vegetables. We watch those mycotoxins and foods, maybe even in dairy. And we keep the, uh, this is one thing that I didn't realize until I did some research is to keep the affected area as dry as possible. Now reflecting on it, I know that if you've athlete's foot you're supposed to keep your feet dry as possible and even use the antifungal powder, but it totally slipped my mind when it was on my face. I didn't think about that because we generally wash our face and put moisturizer on every day. So that slipped my mind. And then when I started implementing that too, and kind of drying out my skin a lot more, so I stopped using my moisturizers, then I started to see things really turn around. So if you're going after fungus then, and you're doing all of the above, and you're not getting resolution, um, we remember that fungus, or we consider fungus to be a downstream infection from something bigger or it may be a downstream infection from something bigger like a parasite or H. pylori or something that there you would need to ask your doctor to test for um, but let's say if you do have a deeper infection and it's not getting resolved with the typical herbs I recommend like the berberines, cloves, oil of oregano, even powder arco, even the tea um, Um, silver, garlic, uh, some of your acids, even some digestive enzymes could be beneficial. So if you're using all these things and it's still not going away, you have to look deeper at what the underlying or root cause infection might be, um, And this is where working with someone that kind of can look at everything and look at your adrenals and look at the diet that's in place, look at your past medical history and then go downstream to the fungus and see if they can address all the underlying issues and get rid of the problem or fix the problem in general. Okay, so I know your next question. What tests? Would you ask for, then, to be sure to be sure? Well, with fungus you can produce these things called oxalates. So if you're not seeing the above symptoms and you haven't got your rash and you don't have the trash in your mouth or you're not seeing any of the other symptoms but you're just not feeling great, um, we want to test. You want to ask your medical or naturopath to test you and a fungus can produce these things called oxalates um, and they can really affect the mitochondria and that's, those are where some of your symptoms stem, stem from. And some of the organic acid tests or oats OAT tests can be good where we'll look at the oxalates, which is a good marker of Candida 2. Um, we can look at the D arabinose, which are the metabolites that are given off. Um, they're indirect markers of the byproduct or the gases given off by fungus. Um, then we can also look at stool testing. Um, is fungus in the actual stool but also is there food or is there some fat or mucus in or around the stool so unbroken down food that can be a sign too. Um, Then of course your rash if you have the white coating on your tongue, does the woman have a history of a yeast infection? Does the guy have jock itch or is there athlete's foot history? So we'll look at some of those things and we'll do the testing. Um, and if we don't see Candida on a lab test, but you have those other symptoms or clinical indicators, then we'll still go by the symptoms just to be safe and um add in or implement some of the practices or herbs or supplements I mentioned before. Oh, and another thing I forgot to mention above. um, You want to look, and this as well, like there was a few game changers for me, but this really helped a lot when I was looking into my issue, into the perioral dermatitis, and I was trying to see what to eliminate. And I know I'm, I am go nowhere near steroids. None of my supplements contain steroids. So I knew it wasn't that. Um, then I was next looking at what do I put on my face? Am I putting toxins on my face? And I'm like, no, um, I use beauty counters. So if you know about beauty counters, they're a natural based skincare company. So I knew pretty much everything I was doing fluoride in your toothpaste. I don't use fluoride in my toothpaste. So all these things. But then... I came across something saying hey maybe you should look at your pillows um, because if you're sleeping on this pillow for weeks at a time and you have this fungus on your face in my case then it may still be growing on the pillow which is why it's taking longer for you to get rid of the fungal or the rash so when I came across that of course I threw my pillows out I bought whole new bedspread I bought two new pillows um I aired out the house because obviously keeping your air your house well aired is important to prevent mold and fungus growth and these all kind of stacked in my favor and literally in the last two weeks I've seen a whole turnaround the rash has gone off my face under my eye which was worrying the most so that's gone and all these added up but I had to keep chipping at it and chipping at it chipping at it and eventually I got there and I'm glad I did and I didn't resort to antibiotics. So I hope you found this super helpful. Overall make sure you're getting a diagnosis and then make sure you're following a good protocol. As much as I give information on the supplements and the herbs and everything above It's not always wise to just wing it and start adding in stuff. You should reach out to a health professional that has experience in this area and that can say, hey, take this when and take this and in this dose and blah, blah, blah. So I hope that answered some of your questions about how uh, fungal or yeast overgrowth happens. I know this is a longer post, but there's a lot in it and maybe you can take away some tools that you can start to implement immediately. So please, Share. Sharing is caring. Um, Somebody out there might benefit from this information and um, it will really come back in your favor if you share and help them out. Okay. have a great, healthy, safe week, everyone, and we'll chat later. Bye.